guys. <laughs> We're back in your feed. Uh, I know that the 12th house is taking a short hiatus. We will be officially back in 2022, but I wanted to pop in uh, with a couple of sound bites from a live Q&A that I did inside of the Holisticism Hub. By the way, hi, it's Michelle. I'm so happy to be in your ear holes over this holiday. Just a heads up, if you're not already part of the Holisticism Hub, what are you doing, my guy? It's our free community where you can connect with other spiritual, intuitive, squiggly-brained baddies uh, for free. (laughs) It's like Facebook, but without Mark Zuckerberg. It's on a place called Mighty Networks, and it's super fun. We have lots of free events, lots of amazing assets that we deliver, great ways to ask questions of the Holisticism team and get them answered and also connect with just other brilliant people on the internet. And to be honest, it doesn't look like this COVID thing is going away anytime soon. So the more internet friends, the better. We'd love to have you. I'll put the link below so that you can join. And as a heads up, the actual full replay of this Q&A is about an hour and 20 minutes long. So I'm going to skip over a couple of the questions that I included there. If you want to listen to and double click on some of the questions asked about Things like how to scale from not making revenue in your business or having a business that doesn't quite support you yet to getting your business to the place that it can support you. If you want to hear how my story and my experience doing that, which is uniquely mine, but might be useful to you. If you want to learn a little bit more about hiring and how we hire at Holisticism, I think that you should definitely go check out the replay. Um, So yeah, that's there for you and you can get it for free just by joining the hub. All right. Without further ado, I'm going to pop into these questions. And just as a heads up, we are doing live Q&As inside of the Holisticism Hub that will be like this. So you can ask your questions to me or to other members of the Holisticism team that have to do with intuitive business or making content or whatever it is that you're curious to learn about. So again, if you're not already part of that, go join. All right. This first question comes from Chelsea. And Chelsea asks, I have so many ideas and impulses of things to share throughout the year, which is why I resist planning sometimes. I know I need a few solid offers to build my foundation, which I have, but how do you manage so many ideas and which ones to execute? I feel like a membership is a great way to house all of your ideas and experiment while still making an income, but membership seems energetically and financially difficult to run for someone one year into a business. Any thoughts on I- or ideas on how- managing all of your ideas while also creating more financial stability? This question is so good, and I think it's actually a two-parter. So the first place that I would start with is, oh my gosh, amazing that you have tons of ideas. If you're out there listening and you're one of those people who's maybe a little bit like me and like the members of the Holisticism team, you have brilliant, (laughs) brilliant ideas popping in probably every week that are really exciting and maybe a little bit scary. And perhaps you've already gotten to the point where you're like, oh, I just ignore those ideas as they come in and I let them float in one ear and out the other because I don't think I can execute on them, which is a real boner killer. Or maybe you are on the other end of that spectrum and you're like, once I have an idea, I want to implement it. And now I'm overwhelmed because I have 300 half-baked ideas or half-executed on ideas or ideas that I sort of like only had a little bit of energy to complete. And so they didn't end up living up to the potential that I had for them or the dream that I had for them. If you fall into any of those camps, you're not alone, my friend. I'm the same way. <laughs> and I will say as someone who thrive, you know, one of our big just general sort of like commandments at holisticism is we have to have fun. If we take on a project, it has to be something for all of us, 100% that we are excited about. If we are not excited about something, we don't do it. Even if it's going to make us a shit ton of money, even if it's a partner who is like 
going to raise our status or something. Um, that would just like never, I'm laughing because that would never be something that we would even consider like as a, that wouldn't be a hard decision. If it didn't seem fun, if it didn't seem like we were going to enjoy ourselves, we just wouldn't do it, <laughs> which is such a privilege to be able to, to be in a position to be in, but also a conscious thought. It wasn't, you know, we worked really hard to get there. So go team. But I would say if you have a bunch of ideas that all delight you and excite you, look back at the four pillars of intuitive business. The four pillars of intuitive business are growth, revenue, retention, and impact. We talk about this a ton inside of the North Node. But basically, these four pillars of your business are what you're looking at to have a healthy ecosystem and make sure that the work that you do is supported and can continue is is regenerative so that you're not constantly sort of extracting from yourself, extracting from your customers, and extracting from the world. If you talk about having an anti-capitalist business or you talk about divesting from the problematic aspects of capitalism or being capitalism critical, then I think that you should think about the four pillars of intuitive business because it's possible to have a business that is, how you might say, anti-capitalist and still have it make you money and, and be dope, you know, and be supportive of you. But I think it's necessary that these four pillars are looked at. So most of the time we look at growth and revenue, meaning growth is like how many followers we have or how big our email list is or how many members are on our team. And revenue, of course, is how much money you're making, right? But we often overlook retention and impact or they're sort of things that fall by the wayside because they're not as sexy, to be totally honest with you. But they are, I would argue, more important than something like growth. When retention just means having people return back to your community, to your product, to your service. It means that people don't treat you like fast fashion, where they purchase from you one time and then they never think about you again. And vice versa, you treat your customers with care and compassion and nurturing. You don't treat them as sort of like a one and done situation or like a single serving ATM. You're continuing to support them and nurture them and find ways to meet their needs and solve their problems at every step of their journey until it's, you know, until you've outgrown each other effectively. So retention can be really important when we're talking about revenue and feeds into revenue because when you're able to retain more customers and make sure that they have a great experience, that's going to impact positively your bottom line. And then, of course, impact is the ripple effect that we have on the world. It's our why. It's why we do our business, right? And if we're not thinking about our impact, at least, you know, sort of we have it in our in our periphery, then often we forget why we're doing what we're doing. We get caught up in the sort of rat race and the capitalism of it all, and then we get burnt out. And if you have a why, if you have a sort of passion, there's a wonderful book by Adam Grant, I think, about finding your why. And it's very, he, he talks about how important it is to prevent burnout, how the people who sometimes are the busiest, who have the most on their plate, seem to have the most energy because they have that why. They know the impact that they're making in the world. And it continues to like support them and feed them as they as they move and move through the world, right? And they do their work, which I think is really cool. That in a way is like nurturing ourselves, is, is remembering and, and connecting with our impact on a regular basis. So that's all to say, we've got our four pillars of intuitive business, growth, revenue, retention, and impact. And your goals or whatever you're orienting towards, your projects, how you're spending your time and your energy should be pretty evenly distributed between those four pillars, growth, revenue, retention, and impact. You shouldn't just be spending all of your time in growth or just spending all of your time in revenue or just spending your time all on impact. If you were only thinking about giving away, then you would be 
running a charity probably or a nonprofit. And while that can definitely be a goal of yours, that is not a business, right? That's a nonprofit. So absolutely, we can spend our time with impact, but we need revenue often to support the impact and to deepen the impact we can make. That's just the long and short of where we are in the world at this moment in time. That doesn't mean that the future has to look like that. We can definitely reorganize it, but that's where we are right now. So when you look at these four pillars and you're thinking about a project, let's say you have a brilliant idea to start a... Um, an online tarot exchange. Okay, great. So you're like, I really want to do this tarot exchange for my community members because I think it would be really cool for people to be able to just sort of like depop their tarot cards or their oracle cards that they're, they don't want to use anymore and rehome them to somebody else. Okay, awesome. Great idea. Love that. And then we're going to look at our different, our four different pillars of intuitive business and say, okay, where does this exactly fall in? Well, this isn't a revenue issue, right? Because it's probably not going to make me money if it's something that's just between community members exchanging, right? Sisterhood of the traveling tarot cards and it's, or siblinghood of the traveling tarot cards. And it's probably maybe not something that's going to give me growth because I don't know. It's it's that's probably not going to drive growth. If I'm not in a community already, like I probably wouldn't hear about some sort of situation like that, right? Like an something that people are investing in. What is that called? An activation. There we go. That was the word I was looking for. But it probably would drive retention, right? That might be something that keeps your community members around if they know that you do activations and events and offerings, you know, you organize things to help people come together in community, they're much more likely to stick around, right? Oh, wow. This really cool event happens or this really cool exchange happens in this really dope community. I'm going to I'm going to keep showing up. I'm going to keep participating. So, you might say, you know what? I think that this is a project for retention and you can primarily file it under retention. It probably is also going to have an impact, right? You're maybe helping people get access to something that they don't always have access to, or maybe you're helping to connect more people, or maybe you're making, you're demystifying or destigmatizing the tarot for those who are afraid to maybe buy their first deck of tarot cards like I was when I was in my early late teens and thought I was going to go to hell for reading tarot because I went to Catholic school. A story for another day. So, okay, yeah, there's some overflow and and maybe that, you know, some other people will hear about it and they might join your community. So it might have some growth overflow too. But really, if we're being totally honest with ourselves, if we're going to assign a primary function for this project, it's going to go under retention. And that's what I would do. I would look at all of my projects that I've got and I'd say, okay, great. Where does this fit? Where does this really like work into my puzzle? And if I am absolutely overwhelmed, if I've got 20 other projects under retention and I have this brilliant new idea for retention, I'm going to weigh that, right? Okay. Can this support my retention, you know, goals better than what I'm already doing? And the likelihood is if you've got 20, you know, 20 projects going for retention, but your retention isn't very good, then you probably can kill some of those projects because they aren't serving their function. They're not serving their purpose. And that's okay. Killing your darlings is important and iteration is important. It's okay to let go of, of things as, and I would say as long as you're giving them a postmortem. So that just means looking back on what went well, what didn't go well, what's the lesson, and how are you going to take that learning experience into the next thing that you do? That's the best way to ensure that something isn't a quote unquote failure is to get is to extract value from it, right? Is to like squeeze the value out of it and say, oh, okay, great. I learned that I'm never going to do this again. And that actually this thing kind of worked. So let me apply it to the next iteration of my idea of getting towards my goal. So that's where I would start with different projects and trying to figure out what to do next. I love the idea, the impetus to 
sort of think of a membership as a way to experiment with new things and new types of content. But I would be a little hesitant about doing that with paying customers, to be completely honest with you. So we have two memberships at Holisticism. We have the North Node, which is our private North Node intuitive entrepreneur membership. It's amazing. We have the most incredible people in there. We've been running it for like two and a half years. And then we have The Cusp, which is our wellness hype beast community. It's $5 a month. And it is just a fun content and community membership where you can connect with other people who love wellness and love products and love to talk about what it means to be a wellness hype beast and the implications of that. So for me, as someone who has a couple of memberships, and let's just reverse engineer what a membership is. It's basically something where there's a subscription, right? So if you're paying a monthly fee or an annual fee, that's annual recurring revenue or monthly recurring revenue, that's probably a membership. That subscription can look like whatever you want. So examples of memberships beyond a membership like the North Node or a membership like the Cusp would be a Patreon. You can be a member of someone's Patreon and typically they deliver extra content to you, right? They unlock content for you. Sometimes there's a community element too, but normally it's that. You can you can join someone's Substack, which is an email newsletter, and you pay them every month for sometimes an email newsletter. Sometimes they write it every week. Sometimes they write it once a month. Sometimes they write it when they feel like it. Same, same with Patreon. Sometimes you are just supporting an artist or a creator. NFTs and creator coins are also taking on that mantle as well as a subscription or a membership where effectively you're buying into that creator and you're giving them money saying, I believe in you and I'm investing in your token or your coin. And I think that you're as by investing in your token, I get special rewards for being part of your community and basically co-signing you or like putting my stock in you effectively. So these are all different types of memberships that you could create or start. And I hope that that opens up or broadens your perspective of how a membership could look because they're all so different. I would say if you want to get started building a member, it will probably be easiest. And I think the most successful memberships, the ones that are well, let me go back, actually. I, don't, I think that was a misnomer. If you are primarily thinking about your membership as a revenue driver, meaning that it's a project that falls squarely under the revenue category, it's going to be making you money on a consistent basis that really supports you and your life and your business, I would consider making your membership something that's more less experimental and a little bit more clear cut. So having a clear roadmap that you can deliver to your customers and say, you're going to start at this stage and then you're going to, and there are these milestones that you get delivered once you join my membership. And then you're going to move on to the next stage. And here are the milestones that you're going to be able to check off your list at this stage. And then here's this, the next stage and so on and so on until finally they reach the end of the rainbow and they know what they're going to look like and how their life will be different because of the value that you've delivered either through content or through coaching or through connecting them in community or through a combination of the three of those things or two of those things, whatever, whatever permutation you'd like. I think that that membership is just having that framework, first of all, is really helpful for you as a creator because you're saying, here's what I'm going to deliver at every milestone. So you know what you need to make and you know how you need to support people and you're being realistic about the expectations of what someone can get when they pay you money every month. I also think it's really helpful for your users because to me, it's a more trauma-informed perspective to deliver something regularly and tell people what they can expect you to deliver. Take that with a grain of salt. If that's the type of membership you want to have, great. If that's not the type of membership you want to have, that's fine too. Just something to think about. The reason people tend to churn out of memberships 
Um, and churn just means leave, right? So the reason they'd cancel, the number one reason is because they get overwhelmed and they get lost in the content. Often they get lost immediately upon onboarding after they've signed up for something. You have like basically 90 seconds to deliver someone exactly what they need when they first join your community, when they first join your membership. So make it really simple for them to navigate through your roadmap or through your next your steps for them and also to get content and deliver value immediately from what you're giving them. So let's say you have a membership around teaching people how to be a witch. Okay, great. So the very first thing that they should get is an email that says, welcome to the community. Here's how you use it. The next step would be, hey, you're a baby witch. Here's how you get started. Here's the stage that you're at. Here are the milestones that you're going to learn before you move on to the next stage, which would be teenage witch. And so maybe those milestones are know the difference between a newt and a salamander. Know the difference between a spell and an enchantment. Know the difference between, I don't know, like... (laughs) I don't know. You know what I, you get what I'm saying? A love spell and a lust spell, right? And when your users are able to check those things off their list based on the content you deliver them or the coaching you deliver them or the, the community they're connected in, then they can move on to the next level. And that way they feel like they're progressing. They know what comes next. They don't feel like they're just in the dark. And when people feel like they know they're improving, then they're more likely to find value in what you're delivering them. And that's the other reason, the second reason people churn out of a product or a membership is because they, they're not finding value. And most of the time, it's not because there's not valuable shit in your membership. It's because they can't find it. So that might be another place to look or another place to think about. How can I make sure that it is really clear what the value of this is and it's being delivered to my user on a consistent basis? So if you want to experiment with a membership, I would say go for it. Um, personally, I don't think it's the For me, it would not be the place where I would experiment with content because I want people to stay and in my membership, right? And and maybe a place where I would experiment is something that's more of like a Patreon or like a close friends thing, or like I create beta groups, right? Where I have a beta testing group. And instead of having them pay a monthly fee, I would give people the opportunity to get into a product or a service at a much lower rate. And they're kind of like my VIP group of people. So just some thoughts, but take it and run with it. The next question comes from Cassandra. Cassandra says, I'm wondering about hiring a VA to serve as a support for tasks that don't come easily to me. And because I know I benefit from external accountability and intuit that checking in with a VA could support me with forward momentum. My hesitation with hiring someone is that my business is so new and so small and not bringing in much income. So I keep telling myself I could just join an accountability group and keep pushing myself to do the stuff that doesn't come as naturally to me. This is such a great question. And it's, again, sort of a twofold question. So hiring a VA or a VA is a virtual assistant, hiring someone to assist you or be your admin support can be such a game changer. And I want to double click on that in a second. But I first want to acknowledge external accountability and being able to move forward on projects and deadlines that you give yourself as a solopreneur, because this is one of my like biggest areas that I always need to work on and improve or that I'm constant, like I, I found constantly over and over again that I had to really be honest with myself around this. And what happened to me, what would happen to me as someone who ran their business for three and a half years by themselves is I would put something on my to-do list and then I would just 
I would say, okay, at the beginning of the week, I'm definitely going to get this done. This is really important. I got to do this. And then five weeks later, I'd be like, oh God, I still have to do that thing. It's still really important. I just haven't done it yet. And I kept like lying to myself about either the priority or or my availability. One of, the, one of those two things, right? It's either not as important as I think it is, or I'm fucking around and I'm not like I'm not doing my job, <laughs> which is as the CEO, even of a one person business, making those important decisions and prioritizing. And I think that that is what might, what might be the first step, right, is figuring out how to prioritize and if you're prioritizing. At On our team, we pick three things every week that are our top three. And of course, there are other things on our to-do lists, obviously, but we deliver our top three in a meeting on Monday and then in an actual meeting on Tuesday. We do a Slack meeting on Monday where we all say, here are the top three things I'm working on and here are the three ways I'm going to have fun this week. And then on Tuesday, we talk about those top three things that we're working on because there's usually a connection to some, what someone else on the team is working on. So we need to, you know, we need to, to be fluid and flowing with <laughs> our, our experience of, of where we are with any project. And I will like sometimes get mad, <laughs> not mad, but I'll, I'll, if someone says six things that they're working on, I'll be like, but what are, what are the most important three? What are the top three? Because if nothing gets done, but those three things, which is probably what's going to happen. Let's be honest. Like what are the, what are the most important three things that if those are the only things that you did that week, you would still be able to go home on Friday night and say, wow, I really progressed forward. I moved the needle forward. Because so much of what's on our to-do list does not really move the needle forward. What it does is it quells our anxiety or it knocks something off of someone else's to-do list. And that isn't useful because no one else runs your business. So you are the only one who can maintain your priorities and be absolutely ruthless with your time and with your energy. That is no one else's responsibility, but but ours, right? Because why would it be? Like they don't know what's inside of our brains or what's on our future vision. So I would recommend sitting down at the beginning of the week and looking really clearly at your to-do list. If you have a Monday hour one, this is built into your Monday hour one schedule and say, what are the top three things I'm going to work on? And then what you might want to do is find an accountability partner to kind of do what we do on our team, which is effectively just accountability, right? Is share that with a person and say, okay, here are my top three of the week. It can literally be a text message that you send them and that they send you back. And then on Friday, check in and say, okay, did you do it or did you not? And then that's the point to not just, you know, beat yourself up if you didn't accomplish the thing that you said you wanted to, but to look at it and say, okay, this is either not actually an important priority for me. Is that true? And if it is, okay, great. Then you can deprioritize it and you can reprioritize something else that's more important. Or if it's still a priority, you can say, all right, well, where am I getting lost in my day-to-day that I am forgetting what my priorities are? And from there, you can problem solve so much more, so much more easily. So if accountability and prioritization is the problem, then that would be my solution. I don't think you need to hire someone necessarily to do that. That being said, hiring a VA can be really, really helpful. And it can be helpful, especially for solopreneurs um, or hiring an admin assistant or hiring a community manager, someone who works for you five hours a week, 10 hours a week can be super helpful because it asks you to create standard operating procedures. And standard operating procedures are just the systems or the sort of um, the PEMDAS of an action. 
So something that you do in your business. For example, if you write a blog, you have you have a you have a system for writing your blog. Whether you realize it or not, it might not be a very clean system, but you have a system. And writing down a standard operating procedure, so going to the very beginning of the process and saying, "Okay, when I'm going to start writing a blog, what do I do?" Well, the first thing is I brainstorm ideas. Then I start researching. Then I write the blog. Then I edit it. Then I, I pull images from Unsplash. Then I post all of it on Squarespace. Then I select, you know, publish. Then I write an email to my community telling them about the blog post. Then I make three social media assets talking about the blog post and directing people to go read the blog. So maybe that's the start to end process of putting writing a, and putting a blog post up on the internet, right? So by saying what that start to finish process is and mapping it out for yourself, you probably are going to streamline your process more than you do right now. What tends to happen as solopreneurs or people who work by ourselves, especially creative, intuitive, squiggly brain people, is that we let ourselves run around in squiggly lines, which is totally fine and really important a lot of the time. But when we are bringing someone else on to do our to do part of our work, to take on part of our work, we need to systematize it. We need to standardize it. And that also means that we end up sort of streamlining the work process too. And that can be a really big inhibitor for anyone who's a creative worker because I don't, I, I mean, I'll speak from the eye. I was so afraid to streamline my process. Like that was the reason I didn't hire someone for so long. I was like, oh my God, no one else can do this the way that I do it, which is totally not true. <laughs> totally not true. I just needed to write down the process and I was afraid to do it because I knew that there were areas that I was just being kind of lazy, right? Where instead of sitting down on Monday morning and writing down my blog post ideas, I would do it an hour before I was supposed to send the email out. And that is not a healthy system. By the way, that does not like, that creates a sense of urgency. That's not fun for me. That's not fun for someone else who has to do it. So creating standard operating procedures can ask you to get very honest with yourself and how you do your work. And I think that that's really helpful. So I would write down first what the job description is of what you want someone to do for you. So where do you need the most support? Beyond accountability, because I don't think that's a good reason to hire someone. But if you really genuinely need support, because you can find accountability in so many other people, right? You don't, you know, I don't think you need to hire a VA to do that. I think you should hire a VA because they're good at their job and they can do something that you can't, or they can do things that you shouldn't be spending your time on because you have a brilliant CEO brain then, and your brain power should be spent on the CEO stuff, not admin stuff. So write down what you want them to do, what their, what their job description is, not the job description that you think you should write or copying a job description from what you think VAs are supposed to do, but what you genuinely need. And then from there, write out the standard operating procedures that this person would need in order to do their job. So if they joined you tomorrow and you just gave them a list of your standard operating procedures, they'd be able to read through them from start to finish and execute on that to-do or that task. And from there, you can get a lot clearer about what you need. And then you can hire someone and, and onboard them and, and have them help you. Great question. And honestly, a VA can take you, especially as a solopreneur, who's like, doing admin work like going through your email inbox or posting or s you know search engine optimizing your blog posts or repurposing your content content on Pinterest or resharing your stuff on Instagram that can really save you a lot of time and can end up earning you more capital because you have more space to do like the big picture big vision big brain stuff
The next question comes from Jenna. Jenna says, I recognize myself as someone who gets the dopamine hit from dreaming up the big vision and end result, as well as developing an organized plan for how to get there. However, the in-between is where I struggle and I find my biggest pain point. Where to start? Every part of my design and being likes to go deep and be lost in creative and contemplative work. So when I sit down, I know I have multiple options. Systems and Notion is definitely helping, but as a solopreneur, are there any recs for prioritizing and choosing your focus? This is such a great question, and I think it it kind of pairs with a lot of what we've already talked about, but I wanted to double-click on it because of some of the examples that Jenna gave. So Jenna, some examples that she gave about sitting down that were sort of like big picture, but also probably require our actual projects that require a lot of time and energy, writing a course content, redesigning the website, planning an email campaign, designing workshops, outlining community engagement, etc., she says, I feel uninspired when she actually sits down and has all of these things on her to-do list. And that's when I would say we want to reverse engineer from where we want to be, right? So these things that are on her list are great, writing course content, redesigning the website, planning the email campaign, designing workshops, outlining community engagement. I would say, what's the most important thing? So if the most important thing is that you want to sell a course, right? That's the goal, big goal. And all of these other parts are supporting you know, getting people in your community who know, like, and trust you, who want to buy a course from you or who want to do coaching with you. This I'm going to use Jenna's example because she says course content, but insert your service or your product here. If that is your primary goal, then we want to reverse engineer how you're going to get there. And so, and then work from there, right? I wouldn't start working on course content if I didn't have a community of people who probably wanted to buy my thing right? So maybe where I would start is engaging with my community. And that's also going to kind of help me. What is that saying? Feed two birds with one scone. Because when I engage with my community, they're going to tell me more about what they want. And that's going to help me build out my course content. So I can get the most bang for my buck when I'm building community engagement and growing my audience or my community to eventually end up selling them that product, right? And then if I'm thinking about the other things on this list, redesign the website, plan an email campaign, design workshops, well, maybe the next step is doing a mini workshop because before someone invests in a gigantic course with me, maybe they want to take a free workshop or a a more affordable workshop. And then from there, well, if that's what I'm going to do, then I definitely need to write some emails. So there we go. We can plan our email campaign. And beyond that, I'm going to need to send them to a sales page. So I don't need to redo my entire website, but I do need to probably do that sales page. So we just, we, we start with one thing at a time, right? And if I were working on this project with all of those things on the list, I would know that my gold star, my North star is a course and I'm working towards that. So I would figure out, okay, how many people do I need to have on my email list in order to hit my number? A good way to ballpark your number for revenue would be the number of people that you need multiplied by the cost of your product, right? And you can figure out how many people you need to actually capture as leads by figuring out what your conversion rate is. So if my conversion rate is 5%, which is a typical very high conversion rate on something like an e-commerce product or an internet product, right? If I know that 5% of people are going to say yes and they're going to swipe their credit card and they're going to buy that thing from me, then 95% of people aren't. (laughs) So I need to figure out (laughs) how many people I need to get in front of. Let's say I need to get in front of 50 people. I need to sell to 50 people. So 50 people need to say yes to me. They're going to convert. Okay, great. And I've got a 5% conversion rate. 
So, well, I should, let's say it's a 10% conversion rate. So the math is easy. I don't do public math. Um, If I have a 10% conversion rate, that means that I need to get in front of 500 people on my email list or on the internet as my leads because only 5% of that five or 10% of that 500 are going to convert. Make sense? So if I know I need to get in front of 500 people in order for my course to hit the goal that I needed to hit of whatever the sales are, then I would start working backwards from that. Okay, I've got to capture or get 500 people on my lead list. So I start with the community engagement. I start building a, a workshop. I Maybe I don't even do a workshop because that does actually doesn't really make sense. I can probably sell my course maybe just by engaging with my community. And then you can begin to prioritize. But I would say narrow, like reduce it down to the the intention and the outcome that's that you're going to get from it. What is the most important intention? All right. Next question. Um, there's a really great question in here about finding creative partners that I very strongly recommend you go listen to. It's about, it's at the very tail end of this conversation. And if you have wanted to work with a partner or collaborate with someone, but you're really scared to, I hear you as someone who gets um, nervous about collaborations and who's, you know, was kind of like in a group project, the one who would do all the work. I totally get it. And that is also a limiting belief, right? I I don't like love, I I pause because I don't love saying limiting belief because I think it's like eh, kind of gross and skeevy, but Yes. When there are more people, there are more emotions, there are more feelings, there's more drama. There are more opportunities for you to miscommunicate because there's just like more conversations happening, right? And that can be really scary for those of us who are avoidant (laughs) and who don't like drama and who don't want people mad at us and who are perfectionists because yikes, I don't want someone to be mad at me and for the project not to go the way that I wanted it to, right? That's like, that's a fate worse than death. And that can be, that can be true in some situations. And when we work with others, when we enroll others in our lives, in our dreams, we are we have more fun. We expand. We connect. We can make more stuff. The sum of you know the the sum of our parts is greater than the individual parts. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that idiom, but you get what I'm saying. When we come together, we're we're even better than how we are as individuals, and so it's worth it. It's worth some of that sort of like stretching and uncomfortableness a lot of the time. Sometimes it's not, but sometimes it is. A lot of the time it is. So reframe. It might be a little uncomfortable to work with someone, but it's going to be worth it, especially if you create really clear boundaries from the jump. And we talk about that in this replay. So if you are thinking about joining, connecting, doing something in 2021 with, or 2022 with a partner, go check that out. Finally, I'm going to leave you with this last piece of feedback because I, I'm like dying to teach a class on this, but I don't think that I have the bandwidth to do so. And it's not exactly a holisticism thing. So maybe I can leave you with this and you can run with it. But Kelsey says, I'm starting out as a VA. I have one client. I'm looking to slowly expand in the, into the upcoming year. I'm having a hard time with where to even start putting together and offer a package because I have so many tech and creative skills I could offer. And it seems that anytime I've searched VA postings, they seem to vary so much on what the client's looking for. Would it be wise to offer an hourly rate to start versus creating a package? Okay. My biggest piece of feedback and recommendation for people who are creative entrepreneurs who are either contractors or like VAs, like you're looking for um, a part-time role 
or like a project role would be to not <laughs> to to not work on an hourly rate. This is my recommendation as someone who gets a ton of pitches from people who want to work with holisticism, who I I would say 99.999% of the time I say no because they're not good pitches most of the time because they don't listen. And this is the feedback that I would give. <laughs> and like, I wish all of them could listen to this, but this is also, I know what works because I was a contractor for a really long time and it was how I made my money to make holisticism. So I would say the very first thing that you should do when someone expresses interest in working with you is hop on a phone call with them. I know that phone calls are annoying, but at least we have Zoom now and it can feel like a proper meeting and to listen to what they tell you they need. 99% of the time, the person who says, oh, I need, I just need a VA to like answer my emails does not just need the VA to answer their emails. They need probably a lot of other support and they're just not acknowledging it. Same thing with someone who says, oh, I just need a logo for my new website. No, they don't. They probably need a brand book. They probably need a ton of other design elements that they haven't even thought about. And so when you hop on a phone call with someone and they say, this is what I'm hiring for, and then you ask, what else is, what's up with you? Like, what's going on with your business? Where do you need support? What's feeling like sticky? What are your big plans? What are your goals? What's what's really hard for you? When you say, what's really hard for you? What's 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 giving you grief at this moment? And you really listen. And maybe they say, oh gosh, I'm like, you know, I'm spending so much of my time like looking for designers right now to build up my website and I just can't find anyone good. So that's taking up a lot of my time feeling really stressed about that. So I'm not able to get back to emails. And I have all these customer service things that like I'm trying to just handle, but I get a ton of them every day. So I need you to flag the customer service stuff because I I get that and I want to respond to it and blah, blah, blah. So when you're getting that, when you're hearing from them and just let them talk, just take that in. Okay. That sounds like they need support in these other areas. And then at the end of your phone call, you say, okay, great. Thank you so much for taking this time. I'm going to crunch the numbers and get back to you tomorrow with some options. Never, ever, ever, ever give someone numbers on the phone call. Never do it. Just trust me because most of the time we are trying to people please and be like, is this number for you? Is this, is this, how about I give you this? And then I throw in a pony ride and then I do this for you. No, just don't do it. Just say, thank you so much. This was so great. Don't want to take up too much more of your time. I'm going to send you a follow-up tomorrow. Going to crunch the numbers for you. And then we can go from there. By the way, I 100% of the time would love to see everything that we talked about written up in email. If we have a meeting and you're pitching me to work with me, I want to see it written up. I want to see it written up either in email or I want to see it in a Notion document because that means that you're paying attention and I know you're going to do a good job and you're you're detail oriented. That's just me. So then you're going to go home or you're going to stay home and you're going to look at everything that they said they need and you're going to give them three different options. The first option is going to be the most Cadillac, expensive, all bells and whistles option. It's going to be the heaviest lift. The middle option is going to be the medium lift going to be uh, more affordable. It's going to be probably a little bit more than what they asked for, but within within reason, right? And then the last option is going to be what they asked for, which is often the bare bones, like most minimum minimal version. Because listen, most people who are running businesses don't want to spend a bunch of money, myself included. And we know that we could probably do it for cheaper if we did it ourselves. But there's a reason that they're looking for someone to help them. And that's because they don't have the bandwidth. They don't have the time to do it themselves anymore, or they can't do it as well as they want to by themselves. 
And each of your options, your three options, you're going to write out exactly what you're going to deliver and what the person can expect and why you, well, let's go into that in a second. You're also going to tell them how much that's going to cost. So if you're doing something like an hourly rate as a VA, you might include like package one, which would be more like admin assistant, right? And an admin assistant or like content creator and admin assistant. And so they are, you're someone who can write blog posts and who can answer emails and who also can organize, you know, and put together five different options for great Squarespace designers that they can look over and interview. That's going to be more involved and takes more skill. So you can ask for a higher hourly rate. You can have someone um, have your lower middle rate be a little bit lower and be a little less creative and need desiring of leadership skills. And then, of course, maybe the lowest rate if you're a VA is just strictly admin and sort of like inputting numbers. Like you could be listening to a podcast and you could you could do that while you're sleeping, standing up. Right. So. You're giving those three options so your user can choose between those three and they also see the range of what you can do and why it's going to cost them more. Because a lot of the time when we pitch the highest option, it's like, well, why is this so expensive? Like, I thought I was just hiring a VA who's $20 an hour. Why are you $35 an hour? And when you when you point out, well, at this skill level or at this, why am I hiring a designer that's $100 an hour? Why am I hiring a content creator that's $150 an hour? Well, this is what you'll get at this level. If you don't want this level, that's okay. That's a lower rate, but expect a lower, a a different type of work, right? And that can really help with sticker shock. And when you give people options, they, they understand that like, oh, maybe there's a little bit of like pick and choose here. So maybe I want to do a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I want to do a little bit of ad- I want to do some admin hours, but maybe I do want to have you help me find my next Squarespace designer. But I don't need you to write blog posts quite yet. I don't have that in my budget yet. And then at the top of your email, you're going to just write, you know, thank you so much. Here are three different options for how we could potentially move forward working together. And then you say like, here's what I heard you say on the phone. I heard you say that you're feeling really overwhelmed. You don't have the bandwidth to do content creation. And it doesn't sound like you really have the bandwidth to do a lot of customer service stuff. And it would really take a lot of stress off your plate if someone else were able to do that for you and like make intuitive decisions around how to do customer service. So I put that in and I know that's not what you're, you said you were looking for right now, but just maybe something to think about. I tell you, (laughs) I tell you, I'm telling you, when you give people three options like this, you're going to see just like the biggest change in how many people end up booking with you. And they almost always book at a much at a a higher price point, which is it's better for everyone because that's you're actually delivering to your customers what they need. They don't just need someone to reply to their admin emails. They really need like a lot more support. And if you can help people solve a problem, then you have a business. So that's my recommendation for independent contractors. And yes, send a nice email the day after with uh, this all written up and organized or send it as a Notion document. I love, I love, love, love when people send me stuff in Notion or in a beautiful formatted email that just like I, that makes me want to hire them. So just as a heads up. Okay. I think that that's all that I have for you. And if you wanted to learn more about, or you're just like now really excited about planning for 2022, I have good news. We have an upcoming class on 1229, which is Wednesday, December 29th at 2.30 PM. I'm teaching Quantum Leap 2022, Future Visioning and Building Your Circular Sales Calendar for the upcoming year. 
We talked early in this podcast about um, growth, revenue, retention, and impact. And those are the four pillars that you're going to use to build out your circular sales calendar. Future visioning, well, quantum leaping, period, is basically a combination of being super imaginative and dreamy and then taking paradoxical moves and making paradoxical moves. And that means action. So you need to be dreamy, but you also need to get in action. And (laughs) I love teaching about these two things, future visioning and quantum leaping and, and building your sales circular sales calendar, because I think that they teach you so much when you implement them around what your business can look and feel like. And if you like are not excited about the 2022 year and the business that you're making or what you're working on, I think, number one, if you genuinely feel that way, you should reconsider your business. And second, <laughs> two, if you genuinely feel that way and you are hoping to get more excited, and you know that that your why is somewhere in there and you, you just need to find it. You need to reignite it. And you need to maybe change around the way that you're doing your work because it's clearly not lighting you up. I think this class will be really helpful. It's 90 minutes. The first 45 minutes are a future visioning session, which is basically I'll teach you how to collapse a timeline. It's what we do inside of the North Node. And if you are not a member of the North Node, you really can't do, you won't be able to do a future visioning session anywhere but in in this class, just as a heads up. So if you want to do future visioning and you want to do some time, learn how to timeline collapse by embodying archetypes, that's the first 45 minutes of class. The second 45 minutes of class will go through creating your circular sales calendar. And that means creating a calendar and sort of reverse engineering based on the salary that you want, how much money you want to make, what products and services, what are going to support your revenue, what's going to support your retention, your growth in your business, and then your impact in your business. And not necessarily in that order. We also build in things like rest and recovery and rejuvenation for you because that's really important. And it's often a thing that entrepreneurs skip and forget about. And when you are able to, you know, first start with the big, big dreamy stuff and see the future, then it's so much more fun to begin to plug in those numbers. I give you a bunch of spreadsheets that you'll use on Notion. If you're brand new to Notion or brand new to using numbers in your business and spreadsheets, don't be scared. It'll be really fun. And class is live. It's live. We'll send out the replay to everyone who's not able to join us. But I think it's going to be really potent for this end of the year. And we're moving into Venus retrograde, which in Capricorn, which is a wonderful time to look at how we're spending our money, how we're earning our money, and like what we love, what feels like lights us up, what our relationship is to resource and to luxury and to mm, support. You get what I'm saying? Venus and Capricorn especially is like, mm, look back at what is supposed to be nourishing you and decide, is it doing that? That's what a re, that's what a retrograde is, right? Re, like do it again, right? So look back at, at how you're spending your energy and is it getting you what you want? And is it making you happy? Is it making you fulfilled? And is it making you just like mm, ooze with pleasure? If it's not, fabulous. Let's like, let's reorg that. Let's rework that so that when Venus moves out of retrograde on January 29th, then you are just like flush with that creative, inspired, juicy Venus energy. Okay, if you can tell, I'm pretty excited about that. So we'd love to have you in class and I'm gonna put the link below so that you can join if you would like. Like I said, we're also opening up the doors to North Nodes. We're taking some people off of our wait list. You can put your, you can add yourself to the wait list. It's super easy. It takes like two seconds and we'd be honored to have you if you would love to join. If you are 
currently battling COVID, my heart is with you. If you are stuck somewhere because of COVID, my heart's with you. And if you are just like, oh my gosh, I can't wait for 2021 to be over, my heart's with you too. But I also want to just thank you for such a wonderful year and supporting us at Holisticism. We love you so much. And I will see you either on the 29th or in the new year.